0: Hello and welcome to this mobile edition of the New Theology podcast. Your host, Ken Chipchase. I am driving down the road, right? Well, I guess up the road. I'm driving from my home in Jeffersonville, Indiana, up to Indianapolis uh, to meet up with my boss today. So, but I've got a a lot of things that I want to communicate and one of the things that we've talked about at different points is just how my schedule has just been so difficult for podcasting and I still want to record. I still want to be uh, releasing content. I still want to be going through trilogy and and going through these things. And this is really going to be one of the ways that I think that's going to be able to happen more regularly is if I'm able to do something like a mobile version of the podcast where I'm driving along and recording my thoughts. Now these are going to be more off the cuff because I can't have notes in front of me. I can't have, You know, things like that where I'm reading any information and putting things up on the screen like I just I'm not able to do that because I'm driving and we want to be safe. So uh, just expect a little different things from this. Today's episode is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and or on the chart it says the bodily resurrection of Christ. So it's important that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. and It's important that he did so bodily and I'm going to talk about several of those things. And, you know, when it comes to chartology and discerning where different doctrines fit in in the chart, primary, secondary, etc., there are some doctrines that are really difficult to discern where they fit. And part of that is because just the way Scripture talks about the doctrine and talks about the truth, and some things seem to be given more weight and other things less weight. Some things seem to be more central and core to the Christian faith, and then other things. With this particular doctrine of the resurrection of Christ, there is really no ambiguity about the importance of the resurrection. This is one of the easiest doctrines to categorize as being a primary doctrine that is absolutely so essentially fundamental to the faith. And we have so many texts that demonstrate this and so many texts that connect the resurrection to other key doctrines of the Christian faith, and so I just kind of want to start. I'm really, I'm really just going to highlight three primary doctrines that the resurrection is connected to, and then uh, talk about one other concept momentarily, uh, just at the end there. So, first, we often think of the resurrection and its importance in in terms of our glorification and that is good and right and that's appropriate so we often our mind is going to go to first corinthians 15 and how paul's whole argument in first corinthians 15 is about how if you do not have a risen christ if christ did not rise from the dead then none of us are going to rise from the dead there is going to be no resurrection for any believer but we do believe in a resurrection we do believe that we are going to be raised and so it has to be that Christ rose from the dead and as Paul's going to say first fruits of what would come later. It's it's a, it's a taste of what is to come. But the resurrection of Christ is also co- intimately connected to our justification. And Paul's going to make that point in 1 Corinthians 15 as well. He's going to say that if Christ has not been raised then you are still in your sins. And there's no hope. There's no even hope for forgiveness if Christ hasn't been raised because that means our preaching is futile. That means our, this religion that we follow is that we believe in and the things that God has said. None of it's true. God's been lying about this or God maybe doesn't even exist. I don't know what the potential implications of that are. But if Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. Our sins haven't been forgiven. And so it is intimately connected with our justification Paul is also going to write in Romans chapter 4 about his, this whole argument that he gives about Abraham and, and the things that are going on with Abraham. and He gets to the end of chapter 4 and he says that he was raised for our justification. There's a relationship, there's a connection with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and our justification. A lot of the ways that we can think about this is that you know, Christ died for our sins, and we often think about the death of Christ in connection with our justification. That's good, and that's right, and that's appropriate. Christ paying the penalty for sin upon that cross so that all who believe in him would be justified, declared righteous in the sight of God. Well, that can only happen if Jesus Christ has also been risen from the dead. And the reason why that's true is because Jesus Christ, if he stayed dead, that would have been evidence that he had his own sins to pay for that he was not an innocent man the wages of sin is death that's the payment that's the penalty for sin that's what everyone who sins deserves well jesus didn't have his own sin so why did he have to die well he died in the place of sinners right There's, that's the that's the substitutionary idea that we've talked about in the past well if he died in the place of sinners of course we have this wonderful text in first or second corinthians five he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him well in order for that to be true jesus would have had to be sinless and therefore didn't have his own sins to pay for and thus when he rose from the dead there was a vindication that occurred of god it was is like a receipt of like god saying yes i accepted this sacrifice that that has been made to to cover the sins of of the world but there's also this aspect of vindication of jesus christ that he was a sinless being and that he was raised from the dead in vindication of his righteousness and if that resurrection does not occur It is an indication that he, again, had his own sins to pay for. And thus, we are not saved by believing in him. We are not saved by trusting in him. He cannot have a tone for our sin if he had his own sins to deal with. So, yeah, the resurrection of Christ is essential to the concept of our justification, of our being declared righteous in the sight of God, because it is a demonstration that Jesus Christ, the only sinless being to ever walk the face of this earth, Righteously paid for our sin took it upon himself and so that God is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ and so yes the resurrection is tied to our justification well the resurrection is also tied to our sanctification there's a wonderful text in Romans chapter 6 where Paul is writing about the necessity of putting to death sin putting to death uh, on the flesh within ourselves and and he writes about how you know jesus he if he rose from the dead and dies no more even so we should walk in newness of life paul is using an analogy between us and jesus christ and says hey if we're if we're united to christ in his death and that's the the picture of of water baptism when we you know and i believe in in baptism by immersion Uh, So we have the picture, the image of being dunked under the water, and that is symbolic. That is a a pictorial representation of dying with Christ, dying to sin. So the text in Romans chapter 6, if we have died with Christ in baptism, dunked under the water, even so we also will be raised with Christ, and that's pictured in being raised up out of the water, and so we are united to Christ in the likeness of His death and united to Christ in the likeness of His resurrection. And that secures for us, that, that helps us as we grow in our sanctification. That's all part of that. So even as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, even so we too should walk in newness of life. Our, our obedience in Christ, our, our growth in holiness, our own sanctification – Is modeled after the resurrection life that Christ lives. That's a powerful idea. It's an absolutely wonderful, wonderful idea. Secondly, if you go to Ephesians chapter 1 and you read Paul's prayer for the church, and this is just one of my absolute favorite prayers of Paul. I just love this text so, so much. But the prayer of Paul for the church is that we would know what is the hope of our calling. And we would know what is the riches of the inheritance of the saints in the light. I may be messing up the, 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 my remembrance of this. I'm, I'm just kind of going from memory here. But then he goes on to say, and what is the greatness of the power of him who works in us? Which same power was working in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead? Now let that sink in for a minute. The same power of Almighty God, the one who created all things and sustains everything by the sheer might of his power. That same power who was working in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead... That resurrection power is at work in those who believe in Jesus Christ. You think that doesn't have an impact upon your sanctification? You think that's not going to have an impact upon your walk with Christ? It should. It absolutely should. The think that the resurrection power of God is available to me, is available to you. What a what a wonderful, awesome idea! And Paul's prayer for the church is that we would know that that is a reality. That that is something that that is happening. That that whenever you say no to sin. And yes to righteousness. That whenever you are con- continually and progressively conform to the image of Christ, that is God's resurrection power mightily working in you. I think that's something we can lean into. I, I hope that gives hope for our battle with sin. You know, some, you know, I, I have experienced in my life life dominating sin. Uh, just. There's things that I felt like habits that I just could not break. I could not overcome. And it it just took so long to break those habits and those patterns. Well, Realizing some of the power that is available to me brought so much encouragement. And even when time when I felt powerless to act. Knowing that this was not going to be something that had to keep me down was was a powerful idea. It gave me hope that this could be defeated and it's texts like this that I find to be so powerful and wonderful and remind me of what I have in Christ and what is powerful, what is available, what is possible. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ secures that for us. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is intimately connected with our sanctification. Finally, the resurrection of Christ is also connected to our glorification. And, of course, this is a big part of, again, Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 15. And there's other texts that that allude to this as well. Uh, But I think of that text in 1 Corinthians 15, this this perishable must put on the imperishable, this mortal must put on immortality. And that is because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the first fruits of what is to come, that I will be resurrected, I will be glorified. Because Jesus Christ was also glorified. That Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he is the first fruits of what is to come. And so we think of that, think of the ideas of all all the negative things that come with being in this mortal body. Uh, I am, I'm only 32 years old, I'll be 33 this year. But this is about the time of life when it is becoming evident that, our bodies don't stay young forever. Just just the very beginning, the very tip of the iceberg of the realization that yes, my body is decaying. You know, I had a receding hairline since I was sixteen years old. My hair was thinning ever more since then, and now, of course, I just shave it all off. And as I'm in my getting into my approaching my mid thirties, I've noticed that my metabolism has slowed down. I've noticed you know some of the just, the, I'm just not as, as quick as I used to be. The, the uh, agility or the flexibility that my body used to have isn't there. I'm an electrician by trade and I would crawl through attics. I would crawl through crawl spaces. And I used to love doing that. And it's a lot harder than it used to be. <laughs> it is so much harder than it used to be just to climb through attics and all this stuff. My body just cannot do what it once did. And I'm only 32. It's not like I'm an old man. I'm I still feel young. Well, that's, that's just the way of life. And as we continue to age, the body decays. But praise be to God, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I know that this body in its current state is not the end. It will be redeemed. It will be resurrected, and it will be glorified. So all of the negative things of this world of that, that affect my physical body, all my illnesses that I experienced, all the arthritis, all the back pain, all the knee pain, all the joint pain, all you know, allergies, like all of that is going to be gone. Migraines, uh, everything that we think about that just, that just plague us in this physical human body will be purged from us. And that is secured through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, my friends, I do hope is tremendously good news for you. Is even if you just absolutely love your body, you have no pain whatsoever. You are still young, and you have no physical issues. So you are just the, the epitome of a physical specimen. Even if that describes you, that will not be the case forever. We age. And our bodies decay. The strongest man to ever live. His bones will still decay and crumble to dust. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this mortal body will put on immortality. That is a sure reality. It is going to happen, and we praise God for it. Now, the resurrection of Christ is so critical for our justification, our sanctification, our glorification. Every phase of our salvation is impacted by the resurrection of Christ. That is if, if, if none of those texts convince you they, absolutely this is a primary doctrine like it, it has to be it's so connected to everything that we hold near and dear about the Christian faith well what about this bodily idea on the chart it says the bodily resurrection of Christ why does it have to be a bodily resurrection not just a spiritual resurrection not just you know an idea of something it has to be something that's physical there's many reasons for that i'm just going to touch on a couple of things first there are some theologians and these would be more liberal theologians now these liberal theologians they're they're going to be denying most aspects of things that are miraculous so they they don't believe in miracles in general right they don't believe in the inspiration of scripture the inerrancy of scripture they deny all of that already so they're already heretics multiple times over well this is just one more thing to the list they don't believe in a physical resurrection of christ they believe it is a spiritual idea or a metaphorical resurrection and um, it's it's not an actual physical bodily resurrection But the bodily resurrection idea is absolutely critical for us and there's so many texts of scripture that we could point to that would demonstrate this first as you look at the resurrection accounts you have to account for the details that are there in scripture where jesus manifested himself physically thinking when he showed up on the seashore he was eating the fish that was important to include in the gospel because ghosts don't eat right so these these um, these disciples they were thinking that maybe they were seeing a ghost maybe they're seeing an apparition of some kind well jesus is consuming physical food to demonstrate to them that no i'm i'm, I'm actually here i'm physical when jesus appeared to the disciples in the upper room there's thomas who was saying oh yeah if i don't put my finger into his into imprint in his hands and and you know, I, I'll never believe. Like I don't believe that he's resurrected. Jesus appears. He says, "Yep, go ahead, do it." And Thomas says, "My Lord and my God." He falls down in confession and belief of Jesus Christ. Jesus was there physically. He he was he was he he manifested himself physically that they could put his hand their uh, uh, put his hand in the imprint and he could do all of those things. And so we see the accounts of that, yeah, this, this was a physical bodily resurrection. The tomb was empty, right? There, there was nobody there. Jesus bodily rose again from the dead. And this is furthermore underscored in when Paul is talking about Romans. You know, I, I already talked about Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 4. Well, now here's Romans chapter 8. That we are looking for the redemption of our bodies, Paul is saying that, he, you know, the sufferings that I endure right now, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Right? The whole creation, it is groaning and laboring in the birth pangs until now. It's looking forward to the, to the redemption. And then he says, even we ourselves eagerly groan within ourselves. We're groaning. Our, our, we experience the hardships and the toils of life, but we're looking for the redemption of our bodies. And he uses that language, Our bodies our physical being, our our, our, our physical bodies. This is not just a spiritual idea. There's there's going to be a physical nature of eternity, and there is this glorification of our physical bodies. And if Christ has not been raised physically, then we too will not be raised physically. And that's what we're looking forward to. Something that uh, one of my professors, Dr. Michael Vlock, is really big on. He just released a new book about this a few months ago, the new creation model. You know, there's this, there's different models and different uh, ideas of what, what eternity is going to look like. What is it that we're really going for in, in in our theology and life and things? And there's this concept, what he calls the spiritual vision model, that that points everything in a spiritualized direction. And in this model, there have been different theologians in the past that have looked at things. From a very immaterial aspect that that's the material that's good almost kind of in a very platonic way of the immaterial is good and the physical is bad and so this idea that that's very popular in culture about how you know when we die you know our spirits you know we, be, we, we become disembodied spirits for forever or maybe we become like like these spiritual angel beings uh, but we don't have there's not a physical nature to eternity there's not a physical component and what Dr. Michael Vlock has developed and has written about in this book, and there have been other theologians that have believed and taught this as well, that uh, Dr. Vlock has really done us all a, a tremendous service by, by publishing this book and, and teaching this, but about the physical nature of eternity, that there is a, a renewal, there's a restoration, there's redemption that occurs, not just of our, of our souls, Yes, praise God, that we are saved from sin. We're saved from hell, that our souls are saved. That is absolutely part of the picture. But it is our bodies themselves that will also be redeemed and glorified. There's a physical nature to eternity as we enter into the eternal state. We believe we're going to be on the, in the new heavens and the new earth. You read about what the eternal state is like in the book of Revelation, and it speaks of physical things, we're not just going to be disembodied spirits for forever in glory. We're going to be on the earth. We're going to be interacting with one another in physical ways without any of the tainting of sin. It's a restoration of the Edenic state. And so this, this idea of bodily resurrection is is absolutely, absolutely very, very important to the Christian faith. And this is why I believe the, the idea of, uh, you know, full preterism is problematic uh you know this is something that's you see in recent years uh there's a theologian who kind of moved from like a partial preterist position to a full preterist position and one of the one of the big talking points is whether or not he believed in a future resurrection and if he denied that then then he would be labeled a heretic and all of that and yeah, like this is, these are important conversations. This is an important topic for the very reason that Scripture talks about these realities. And it teaches this oh so clearly. There are different preterists that believe different things. I remember Jeremy and his debate with, with, a, with a full preterist. That debate is on YouTube somewhere. Uh, he believed that we would become disembodied spirits that just wander upon the face of the earth, that there's no resurrection. that's contrary to scripture like it's contrary to what is so clearly taught for us and it's contrary to what the physical bodily resurrection of jesus christ was designed to accomplish it secures for us our justification it secures for us our sanctification and it secures for us our glorification the bodily component of that is so important as well so i just encourage us to embrace the resurrection of christ that and and I just want to conclude really with just this one little anecdote of of just my experience with Resurrection Sunday and, and the Easter Sunday uh, in my faith tradition that I grew up in. Um, there's always a lot of emphasis on Christmas. Everybody loves Christmas. I always had uh, you know a mixed relationship with Christmas. As some of you have known me for a long time know about my story with that a bit. Uh, But the holiday that I always love, going back to my earliest years, was always Easter Sunday. It was always Resurrection Sunday. I just love that holiday so, so much. There were so many special things in a very sensory way that our church did that just really ingrained so many memories inside of my mind. And I I just love all of it. I I love the sunrise service. And I love, uh, you know, the whole sunrise service followed by the sunrise breakfast and i love that our churches the churches that i was a part of would they would order all these flowers and uh, they would be in the sanctuary and such and they would sit in there and these flowers were very aromatic and so you'd you'd almost i mean it almost kind of knock you down with the with the power of the of the aroma as it just blasts you as you walk through the doors and sometimes it could be overpowering but it created a very very strong sensory memory and communicated that there's something so special about this day there's something so special about the resurrection of jesus christ and so all of the all the trappings of the holiday you know i didn't grow up doing easter egg hunts we did have uh, my parents did do like easter basket type things that would be on our uh you know on the table for us kind of like almost like a christmas stocking but it was just you know an easter basket And so that was special that was neat so when you first get up in the morning there's just there's little trinkets there for you and it just kind of builds a little bit of an anticipation for the day. And then the sunrise service and the breakfast and and, and just all the, the triumphal nature of the songs that we would sing and the joy of the resurrection of Christ, all of that produced such a lasting impact upon me that Easter is such a special day. And it, it's created this these memories, it's created this... This uh, love for the day in my heart, and I all of that is so warranted. i I love the Easter so much more uh, than any other holiday. I love it more than Christmas, I love it more and I, and there's just so many things that go into this. Well now, as I've studied out all of these doctrines of you know the doctrine of the resurrection of Christ and how it impacts all these things, I can see why it's such a big deal. I see why, our churches have sought to make a big deal out of the resurrection of Christ because look at what it does for us. No justification without the resurrection. No sanctification without the resurrection and no glorification without the resurrection. It is a big deal. And I, I just, I, I hope we can, there's there's part of me that just wants to try to recreate uh, that concept of, of Easter and the Resurrection Sunday to communicate the the glories of the day to the future generations. And by God's grace, perhaps we'll be able to do that as we uh, just rejoice in what Christ has done for us. So I just leave that for you. I thank you for listening to this episode of Chartology, the Resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a primary doctrine that should be viewed as such. Hope this has been helpful for you and uh, if you want to reach out, just show at com is our email address. You can find us on Twitter as well, at New theology. I am at Ken Chipchase, Ken with two N's, and you can find uh, how to contact us through those means. Uh, there's lots of exciting things coming that we've been teasing and talking about, and we continue to work on these concepts, and there are things coming together. Uh, it, it might be a few more months before all of it is is ready to roll, but we are working and it is coming together and it is exciting. So praise God for all of that and continue to look for more exciting things at some point in the future. Jeremy and I will be doing more joint recordings together. I really hope you're enjoying his episodes, by the way. I know I am. I, I'm just, I think he's doing a fantastic job. So praise God for that. And I guess that is it for now. I'm going to sign on off right before the 30-minute mark. In this episode, I hope this has been helpful and equipping for you to do theology for the glory of God. We'll talk at you another time.